Hello and welcome to the second episode of the State of Hockey Fancast. I am Zeke. Um, I'm the guest creator of the show, and I know it's been a few weeks since I've done this, but you know, has been a heck of a lot of news to talk about recently. So, um, today we got a guest on with me today. Um, he's also another disgruntled, um, wild fan who has. We've talked about the same stuff kind of a lot and have some of the same opinions, but we're all very concerned about many things to do with this team and um. I guess just start off. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Thanks. It's quite uh, late here, but yeah. Well, what fine. time is it there? It's like one a.m. Oh, <laughs> okay then. So I guess we'll just get right into it. So I we were talking about we we're gonna talk about first. I wanted to get into kind of since the draft is up here in a month. Uh, I wanted to get into five players that are gonna maybe be around or available at the number twelve overall pick that I'm a. Uh, you know, we think the Wild should go after. And um, what's – I guess we can start with you. Who's the top guy that you would want at that spot? Uh, Newhook, 100%. Alex Newhook, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's on, he's number two on my list. I mean, it's kind of reading from the scouting reports. Whatever, he's obviously a center. I'm a, uh, he had 102 points, 53 games in the BCHL, which that was one of the concerns in scouting reports read that BCHL is kind of – it's a junior league. It's some uh, – it's a step below like the USHL or like the CHL, but I mean, I don't know. It's not a huge concern. I think some of those were kind of concerns were erased after the U18 tournament where he had 10 points, seven games, but he's a smart. He's got good hands, great, great hands. You know, he can handle the puck. He's good in the traffic. And although he plays in the weak league, he seems like he'd be a really good player and he's headed to play him a college hockey at Boston College next year. So I think he'd obviously be a very good fit considering this team's needs right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say that exactly the same thing. Uh, but I would say that his speed is maybe, or it is his most, like, most usable weapon. He uses it quite well and he's very, very fast. So, And that's something mm-hmm. we need. Like, we're not so fast like we can see, like, Stahl. Paris is getting oh, slower every yeah. day. Yeah. And we just need speed up front and scoring, and he can score too. So, yeah, I mean, I, the speed, like you said, that's a big part because obviously the game's a lot faster than it used to be. And the, the wild, they, a lot of their top guys now, I mean, are just are like up there in age, like 34, 35. And they really just need to, in my opinion, just add in, in burst and speed into there. Um, but I guess the next guy I want to talk about is who was my number one, but you, I could easily switch him with New York. Number two is Cole Caulfield. Now, he was obviously – he played at the U.S. Development Program this year, and in 64 games played combined, he had 72 goals, and he also had 14 goals in seven games at the um, uh, U18 tournament. And he's obviously an elite scorer. If you, I mean, you look at the stats that they say everything itself, but he's also a good skater and elite one-timer. But, I mean, you know, again, there's, there's some other – I don't know that he's – blazing fast yeah i don't think he has necessarily the speed that new has but he's obviously a goal scorer and fits their needs too i mean he's probably number three or two on my list and uh yeah i i mean he's a good he scores goals a lot like we have seen this year <laughs> and like holy shit those numbers in the uh us and dpd program are actually like mad to see and yeah, same with the u18s he was so good but then again uh, i'm i'm a bit concerned about his size 
because yeah, I've, I... se- I've seen him already get pushed around a lot. So, I mean, we just have to see with him. I mean, we know that he can score goals, but can he like mm-hmm. fit to the NHL playing style? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's that's. I mean, obviously, the, the obvious comparison people make is Alex DeBrinket, who would also uh, was scored a lot of goals in the OHL with similar concern, but he was also more close to five ten. And I mean, Caulfield is like five six, hundred fifty pounds, which you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that would stop you from drafting him, but that's a definite concern. But also, he is gonna play at Wisconsin and the NCAA next year college hockey and due to their um, they, they play a lot less games they play around 35 or 45 so I think a couple a good couple of years there could help him get his um, strength and muscle up so he doesn't get pushed around as much like you say which would obviously be the concern with him there yeah and uh, the NCAA is a good league to like develop the the hockey is like quite high level already so as we've seen already like players who come from the NCAA they can go, jump straight into the NHL and not go through that AHL route. Mm-hmm. Just like Donato this year, although he played with, due to in yeah. Boston, he played with the AHL affiliate. But when he came to Mini, he was straight into the lineup. And he, he every like NCAA prospect usually like looks very ready to play in the NHL when they come out of there. And uh, I think we have to just see. And next year we're gonna see if he's going to be good or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think like a comparison to that, like from last year, I'm at Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, he's not nearly as small, but he was another um, who was considered a, the best goal scorer in the draft, and he only had he had a bad year. He had eight goals and 19 points in 34 games with, at, at but BC, which is the same place that um, well, it's not the different guys, but he was a taller guy and he's supposed to be a really good goal scorer so I mean I there is definitely concern just because he's scoring all there in the USHL does not mean he's to be a good player but you know that's not a bad risk to take especially for a team that desperately needs some sort of offense or elite highland skill in their system and so I guess the next guy for him uh, who's who's the next guy for you that you like after those two uh, after those two uh, I have mm-hmm. Pavel Dorofiev He's a left wing, right winger, plays both wings from Russia. Played uh, for the Stalni Lisi Magnitogorosk in the MHL and some games in the KHL as well, but on very, very low uh, ice time. So mm-hmm. in the KHL, he had in 23 games one plus one, so, but he played like six minutes per game. So mm-hmm. you can't expect much more. And uh, in the MHL, in 19 games, he had 17 goals and 14 assists for 31 points. And he had the best point-per-game ratio in the whole league. So, and he, of course, the MHL isn't such a good league, but, like, still, it's crazy that you have as many goals as games played, nearly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, um, well, sorry, but I mean, you know, I I think that's a good point. Like that league, especially, I mean, I've read this in articles too, but I mean, even from looking at the stats from players in that league, it's very like fluctuates over there in Russia too, because it seems like there's guys, if you look in that league in their past that have put up like, let's say like 80 points in a season and they're not really even, they're not even good KHL players when they're 28, 25 years old or something like that. And so 
you know, that I don't, I think numbers, any kind of numbers over there, you, sh- you kind of have to take with a bit of a grain of salt because, I mean, last year you look at him, uh, uh, Grigory Denisenko, he only had like 22 points in 31 games in that same league. And he obviously, he's ranked very highly by a lot of um, uh, scouts and um, uh, writers in terms of overall prospects. And he's going to be a really good player. But those, that, the leagues over there, and obviously, like you said, the KHL, he, a lot of times, especially younger players, they don't really ever usually break in at a young age and the limited ice time, like you say. But, I mean, some, from some of the notes that I take about him, he's very skilled, uh, great on the power play. But I guess the one knock on him that I've been that I've seen and read about is that I'm a, some people think his compete level is a concern, and they think that sometimes his overall interest in the whole game is a, maybe a little bit lacking enough that could potentially hold back him back from being a very good player as a pro. I mean, what is, what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I think that it's because he plays in a, such a bad league. He dominates there. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like if I played there, my motivation wouldn't be as high. So I can't really blame him for mm-hmm. that. And uh, what I've seen in those KHL games, he's really like, he tries his hardest every shift. And it's it's kind of like every Russian, they play hard and they mm-hmm. have a very, very high competitiveness just like put calls in and uh i think the will be the same if he plays at a high level mm-hmm. but uh, yeah the reason why i have uh Dorofe over uh over Caulfield is because the is six foot and uh, mm-hmm. 163 pounds so he's kind of big i wouldn't say mm-hmm. he's, well he's on a bigger scale big forward so he brings the size well not bring he doesn't like bring it but he has the size so he doesn't get pushed around us so easily and i think that that's maybe the only reason why he's above Caulfield, in my opinion okay so i mean i guess i guess we can move on to number four who's who would be your fourth um, choice there if you had to uh well this one is kind of, I put him at number four because it's very unlikely that he will drop this far. But uh, Trevor Segres, I've seen some scouts have ranked him 10, 11, maybe even like I've seen 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And he might drop just because there are so many good centers in this draft. Yeah. That That's maybe like my only reasoning, but it's, as I, like I said before, it's not likely that that he he'll drop to 12 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead okay well yeah i i agree i know i've seen early in the year i've seen it saw him ranked as high as three although i don't think he'll go third i mean there's definite possibility he's a four or five if a team really likes him there like la colorado or even detroit since that program is located in the in michigan where they are obviously but i mean he in his stats for the u.s development program he had in 60 games played there he had 87 points 26 goals 61 assists and then at the u18 tournament in five games he had nine assists now i mean obviously you can tell from the stats and from watching his some of his highlights and reading about him he's he's a he's a playmaker he, he has a he has a pretty good shot actually but um uh, i think that's kind of maybe sometimes some scouts i've read have said they like him to see him shoot more but i mean he's obviously a very good playmaker and Eventually, could um, uh, run a power play 
in the NHL someday if he am after a couple of years in college where I believe he's committed to Boston. But his, you know, so he's a good player. He's a really good player. I'd be very happy if he felt them. But also, like you said, that's not very likely at all. Yep. Well, who do you have at number five then? Um, at number five for me, I had Arthur Kaliev, and he played in the OHL last year. Seven games played, he had 51 goals, 51 assists for 102 points. And um, he's a lot, I think the stats tell you a lot there, but and t- there's another note is that he had 31 goals in his rookie year in the OHL a year ago. But he's considered the most pure goal scorer in the draft behind Caulfield, or sometimes some have even ranked him kind of at the same because obviously he has a little bit more size. Um, you know, again, he fits the need of they just they need a goal scorer, they need high end skill, and he definitely has that. But some of the things that could hold him back that we've talked about before is that his defensive effort in the defensive zone and getting back is not always the greatest, and his skating is um, questionable too. Uh, yeah, I've had him. You, uh, I've, I've changed my mind recently. I didn't think he was that good, but then I like looked into him a bit more and now I really like what I see from him. He's very good at with the puck and I was surprised to see that usually he, the Hamilton Bulldogs aren't a good team and he mm. really carries them. And uh, yeah, I had a, I had him at number five as well. So Okay, so I guess that's that. Is there anybody else like out like, let's do one more guy outside of there that you am uh, intrigues you at 12? Well, not at 12. But if we get another first rounder, uh, uh, Spencer Knight, he would be a good mm-hmm. pickup, uh, as well as Niels Hoglander from Sweden. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard about both those. And obviously, when I am a I said this yesterday, but when Russo on his latest podcast, he um, uh, somebody asked him about are there any players you've heard that the Wild are keen on in the draft? And well, his answer, which kind of made me a bit nervous, was there's two defensemen and the goalie Spencer Knight that they both like. And you know, I am, I I mean, I'm fine. So maybe if they pick a defenseman, but because I, I mean, if they do this year, it's not going to be as bad of a reach as they did last year at 24, obviously, but. I just don't see why you would pick a D right now unless he is like an absolute stud because, I mean, the team does not need defense. They need offense. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many good forwards in this draft. There, I mean, like, why would you skip on any of these five people, uh, players mm-hmm. that we just mentioned? Like, if we, we actually need need one of them mm-hmm. we can't afford to take a de- defender this year just can't there's so many good uh, offensive players and we need to take advantage on that on that and as you said before i'll be fine if we pick a good defenseman but we don't need it mm-hmm. and then again we we need a center desperately and uh Right. Same as a scoring winner, winger. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, 
some of the explanations that I know some, a lot of these players mentioned, like their, their explanation might for that might be that, oh, this slot or, oh, he scores, but he's skating as off. It's like, well, okay, that's, that's great. But every, every one of these players has, there's going to be some weakness to him. But I mean, what the team needs is they, the wild don't need any more safe picks or safe players. Like they already have had, have had those guys throughout their history and have them right now. What they've never had is a guy who is, who, you know, if you set out there is going to, is going to create some offense or give you a chance to score. And you don't get those guys by playing it safe or just going for, you know, just picking the same old two way forward center whose upside isn't that much more of a third line center who can play up in the second line if he needs to. And, also, when they said Spencer Knight, I, I'm not opposed to picking him in the first round, but I just – because even though it's a risk in the first round, it seems like to take a goalie. I'm not opposed to taking the first round, but to spend the 12th overall pick on yeah. on him mm-hmm. just seems a bit rich for me. Yeah, it's way too early to pick a goaltender, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. back to Alex Newhook, I really think that he's going to be the steal of the draft, and I – have a feeling that in five years when we look back at, it, at this draft he's going to be one of the players very high on that list yeah I, I, I actually kind of agree too and I know I've seen a lot of people rank him like it seems like he's ranked anywhere from like 6th or 7th all the way back to 15th now I mean I, I could certainly see that I see why people think he goes 6th or 7th although I just I don't know I think some teams would need maybe and scouts don't necessarily like that the league he plays in obviously is a step below these other junior leagues but i mean the the raw skills the skill is there you can you can see it i mean he was great at the u18 tournament on the top line with them i think it was peyton krebs and dylan cousins who are two other centers that are good but are generally ranked ahead of them depending although that depends on who you ask but i i i, I would agree with you there and he could, he could be a really good pick at 12th overall and to me, it just comes down to I just want skill, high-end skill. That's that's what matters to me. Yeah, I mean, if he's available at 12th yeah. and we don't pick him, it's like a huge mistake. Because mm-hmm. if he's there and he fits the Fenton profile, he has speed, can shoot. So if he's available at 12th and we don't pick him, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, it's. I I hope I don't know. He he was, like I said, I with him and Cole Caulfield, they're my two top guys. I, I don't really have a huge preference toward one of them, but if if one of those two guys there, especially Newhook, I think you'd have to pick him. Although, what Russo did says is that Fenton basically told them they'll pick whoever they think is the best player on their board, which is could obviously be completely different than what an average fan like us thinks. But I don't know. It just it's. You know, it goes back to the same thing. They just need skill. And I guess now I kind of want I, – I mentioned this too, but I kind of want to get in some guys who are not going to go in the first round that are mid or later on them uh, player, pick players that we maybe think could be good to target. I mean, who's who's a guy, a couple guys that you think that won't go in the first round that could be really good? Well, I'll start with my players who are probably going to go in the second or the third round. So my first player, uh, the, again, these players are not ranked. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, so the first player is Patrick Puistola. Uh, he played in the, uh, he plays in Tappara in Finland. 
and uh, played on loan in Mestis, which is the second best league in Finland. It's it's an adult league, so it's pro already. Mm-hmm. And he had in 22 games, 26 points, which is very good. Uh, people don't understand how good uh, good the Mestis actually is. It's uh, it's not much worse than the Riga. I mean, it's it's pretty close actually, mm. and uh, yeah, I mean those points point totals are very good. And in the U18 tournament, in five games, he had five goals, which is okay. But he had like very good line mates, uh, Anton Lundell. Uh, he's going to go in the top ten next year, and then he had Kasper. Simon Taival is so, another player who's going to go in the first round next year. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's very skilled as a place left wing. We could need a left winger. And uh, yeah, he's quite big, six foot, uh, 174 pounds. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just a good, fast, skilled player. So I really like him. And uh, second one is uh, Ilya Nikolaev, played in the MHL this year. Had his point totals are a bit like down, they're a bit low, but uh, he has the skill and he plays on a very bad team, Loko Yaroslav, which is one of the worst teams in the league. And he had in 40, 41 games 25 points. And in the U18 tournament, he had four points in seven games. Uh, he was the assistant captain in that tournament too. And same goes for him. He's Russian, so he's very skilled and just really good with the puck. His hands are like, they're already elite level and he's a solid skater as well. Uh, then my third player, Yegor Spiridonov. Same again, center from Russia, can play wing as well, six foot two, one hundred ninety two pounds. He's a righty as well, so and he played in MHL in the same team on the same line as Dorofiev, had forty one points in forty three games. In the U eighteen tournament, he had six points in seven games. Same goes for him. He's a usual Russian, fast, skilled. Can shoot the puck also, but he's more of a playmaker. And I think he would be a great pick with our third rounder at 72nd overall, I think. And yeah, I think so. Here, yeah, uh, here comes my first goalie on this list Mads Sogard from Denmark. And uh, he's six foot seven, so he's pretty huge, 196 pounds. And uh, he's ranked, I think he's ranked between the, I mean, second and fourth round, somewhere there. He played this year in the Medicine Hat Tigers in the WHL, 37 games, um, uh, 9.21 save percentage and 2.64 goals average, which are very good numbers, if you ask me considering that they score a lot of goals in those junior leagues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's 
another one on my list and my last one or oh yeah i have two left christian tonus played in the his center or winger and uh, he's five foot eight 159 pounds uh he played in the mestis as well and in the league as uh, some games also so in he's from tappara but got loaned out to Lecky in Mestis, same team as Patrick Puistola, and had 44 points in 32 games, which was the best goals per game average in the whole league. And he's just a fast playmaker. He, his skating is very good, one of the better skaters in this draft, in my opinion, and in Jukurit this year in the Liga. Jukurit is one of the worst teams if not the worst in the league. He had six points in 17 games as a 17-year-old, which is very good, if you ask me, considering that he played third line on a bad mm-hmm. team. And the last one on my list is actually the one I want the most. So he's, again, from Russia, Mikhail Shalagin, played in Spartak Moskva in the MHL. He's an overager, so he's 19. Six foot four, 170 pounds. Lefty. Played some games in the KHL as well, Spartak Moskva. But he had, in 43 games, 48 goals and 27 assists, uh, 75 points. So, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, 48 goals in 43 games. That's. <laughs> That's just mental, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's big. And he's actually, like, I wouldn't say he's a good skater, but he's an average skater, has a great shot, and just uses his size very greatly. So he would be one player I would for sure look at picking, and he could go, like, in the fifth round, sixth round, maybe. You never know about these Russian players because scouts yeah. aren't really in the looking at them games. Right. Do you have any players? Okay, well, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't do as much of a list, but I got a couple guys that I have in mind that from reading. And I guess the first guy I wanna I'm gonna talk about here is who knows if I'll be saying this right. His name's Maxim Kajovic or whatever. He was the first overall pick in the CHL import draft last year by the. St. John's Sea Dogs, and well, his stats here in the QMJHL and 60 games played, he had 22 goals, 24 assists, 46 points. Uh, those stats do not obviously stand out really at, at very much at all. But and he also is a minus 33. And but St. John, they were one of the worst teams in the QMJHL and even in the whole CHL last year. And I, I did see a stat too that they were talking about. They're comparing guys in the past in terms of how much their offense they um, drive on their team in total and it said that uh Kajovic, or however you say his name is was contributed like i think it was 40 percent of his team's offense which as i'm trying to pull up the standings here quickly to see um uh, where they finished but obviously 40 percent of your team's offense is for one guy is a heck of a lot and yeah let's see yeah they were second last in the league they were 13 wins 49 losses two overtime losses and four shootout losses. So essentially 13 and 55. And now if this is, now he's not a, um, a 
to compare him to somebody. Peyton Krebs obviously is not going to be a late round pick. He's going to be a top 10, but he also is another guy who his stats in the WHL don't look all that impressive, but his team again was the worst team. They only won like nine or 10 games, I think. So with Kadrovic, he's, he's skilled. He has a good shot. And I just, from some of the stuff I've been doing and reading and looking at scouting reports and all this, and, and even on the athletic to the guy who's the scout or the writer there, I, he, it's some he seems to be a little more high on him, and uh, he just intrigues me in that. I mean, he obviously if he, he put up forty percent of his team's points, and and also at the U eighteen tournament for Slovakia, he had seven points in seven games, three goals and four assists. So he's he's a guy that also intrigues me. And I guess to the next guy I'm going to get to, he's um, a another guy from Russia. His name is uh, Daniel Gutik, and another again he's just another guy that the numbers aren't going to jump out off the page at you because he only, in the MHL, he only had like, he, he only had in 36 games played. He had five goals, eight assists, 13 points. Now those numbers really don't at all jump out. I mean, you, you wouldn't even think this guy would be on the radar to get drafted, but I've seen him rank, ranked in most places in the second round, mid third round around that area. And I mean, like I said, in the six, 36 games played, he had 13 points. And just to, I don't know, I just seen that he's a, a he's a bit taller, he's a bigger guy, um, he has some skill, he has a decent shot, yeah, he's pretty big at six three, one hundred seventy nine. He's seventeen years old, doesn't turn eighteen until August thirty first. So I mean, like I said, those those numbers don't don't uh, jump off off the page with either of these guys. But uh, Gutek here, he is he he could be a third round pick, so he's a definitely a guy if they liked and felt like that they could get over from Russia in a couple of years would definitely be a good pick. And then I guess if I'm going to a couple more guys, I'm going to kind of go off a couple of them that you said, um, the goalie, Mad Sogard, he, who played in the WHL, as you said. Now, I know, like, I just, some people, I've seen that they look at his stats from the World Juniors and go, oh, how's this guy going to even get drafted? Well, I mean, the team he's on for Denmark is obviously not very good. And, you know, he did get a little up there, but, like you said, I like his size. He's got good fundamental skills and positioning. So I think he would be a good pick in the third round, maybe even though he'd probably go in the second. He, I don't know if he's a guy I would get at 42nd overall. I think he's maybe more of a guy that you pick up if you have the second extra first round, I mean, extra second round pick. And um, I don't know. Those are just a couple of guys that I was wanted to highlight. That's, they don't really have much else for that. Okay. Okay, so I guess next I just want to kind of get into talking about Paul Fenton and his first year as general manager of Minnesota Wild. Now, he was hired last May after Chuck Fletcher was fired after another first-round exit. And, well, I now as I, I don't know if I'd say it's been terrible. We obviously have to give him some time, but there have been some very discouraging signs in the first year of his tenure. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it was a horrible year. Like, he got ripped off in every single trade he made. And he could have had, like, at least another second, uh, first rounder, but maybe even, like, a second rounder as well, mm-hmm. and a third rounder. And we really need all the picks we can get at this stage. If you 
look at the kind of rebuild the Rangers are doing or have done in recent years. They didn't have a lot of players they could send away. Mm-hmm. Or in my opinion, we have at, we had at least as much to give away as them. And we just did not succeed in our revamp or what you want to call this. I mean, look at the Rangers now. Oh, yeah, they're going to be arg- good. Yeah, year. arguably the best prospect pool in the whole shell, in my opinion. So, the, I mean, we could have done the same, but we, we just didn't. He just got yeah. ripped. He, he made some idiotic trades, like the Nino trade for oh. Victor Rask. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really don't want to talk about it, but like, so <laughs> Victor Rask had... He had in 26 games for Carolina, six points. Mm. And uh, then he came to Minnesota and had three points in 23 games. Total yeah, and of I don't even... nine points in a season. <laughs> he earns I mean, four million yeah. per year. See, that's the, that's the thing. Some people have been, I've seen to me, have tried to justify it. They're like, well, they saved a million and a half in cash. So it's like, okay, that's fine. But the player you got back is significantly worse in like pretty much every area. I mean, the numbers don't even show everything about Rask. The guy, first of all, the guy skating is he is slow. I mean, it, I mean, if you just you watch him, you're like, okay. And then obviously the offense wasn't there. And I mean, I'm not a huge advanced stats guy, but from reading some stuff, I mean, he's Nino was at least a good defensive forward and was driving play, and he still was a point for every other game at 0.050. But, I mean, Rask, I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I know it was 23 games and he was kind of hurt, so maybe it give him a year. But I just don't see how there's any way you can justify making that trade. I mean, it would have been better if you just got like, – even if you got like a third and a seventh-round pick, it would have been better. Because at least you're not sticking yourself with the liability on your team. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to disagree with you on that one. I – of course, like when he came to Minnesota, he was very bad. Then he got injured. Yeah. And I think that after his injury, he's been quite good, actually. Like the last three, four games, he was, in my opinion, one of our better players. And uh, I think he's improving. But still, like the trade, mm. we clearly yeah. got ripped off in that and if you yeah, look at if you look at Nino's numbers, so he had twenty three points in forty six games with us this year, and mm-hmm. then he went to Carolina, got carried by Sebastian Ajo, and got thirty points in thirty six games. So I mean, there's a clear winner in this trade, and uh, yeah, Carolina just ripped us off, or ripped Fenton off. Yeah, and I just I think part of that is because I mean I've some of the podcasts I've listened to that people said that Fenton from the second he was hired he was trying to get rid of Nino, which again is fine I understand, but that apparently that he was having a very hard time finding anybody who would even want him, partially because he's getting paid like five point seven million, and that it was kind of that he finally found a team that would take him. He just I don't know if he necessarily thought through what he was getting back necessarily because I mean I don't know like I said. It's not trading players that I have a, as much of a problem with, but when you don't 
you, you got to do your due diligence and try to get the best return that possible that you think, because like you're saying with the Rangers, well, you, you kind of said that you thought that we had kind of the same amount of assets we could have traded. It's like we did, but it just, it just seemed like Fenton was um, uh, intent on just blowing an absolute hole through the team that Chuck Fletcher made. And it just, I don't know. It, I don't, it just doesn't seem like you should have, he should, could have maybe a couple of these guys could have just probably waited till the end of the season or the off season to move them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, every trade he has made has been very rushed. Yeah. And it, it just seems like he doesn't think about or ask other people what they think about the trade before he makes them. Oh. Yeah, like, which... I don't even want to, uh, I really don't want to talk about the Fiala and Granny trade. Because yeah, we, that's the we one we got. It. Yeah, we got so incredibly ripped off in that one. Yeah, and like, it, that doesn't even. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember I went to sleep, uh, like maybe an hour before that mm-hmm. trade happened. My friend called me, woke me up, and told me the trade, and I just went immediately back to sleep after that. <laughs> like. We got Kevin Fiala, a guy who's well. I mean, he he was okay yeah. for us mm-hmm. this year. He actually was better than Granny in Nashville, but mm-hmm. still, the trade we should have gotten at least a prospect. Like I don't know, Tolvanen would have been a a bit of a stretch there, but like yeah, at least a second rounder or a third, yeah. and we just got nothing. And. The crazy thing about it is that it was reported too that Fenton obviously he 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 was in Nashville so he liked him and he even came up to the podium to announce his name when they drafted him. But it was reported after that uh, Fenton even tried to include a pick on the wild side or was even trying willing to retain salary on Granny's Granny's contract. Which I mean that if that would have happened, I, I don't I just don't get that. I mean I know you like him, but. It's just he looked. He was. I think he was maybe looking at him, Fiala, through, like I've read too, that too much of a scout size. Like he, he he wants so badly to be proven right that this player is who he thought he was, and and Fiala might. I'm not saying he's a terrible player, so but you know it's just the fact that he was almost willing to give up even more to make that trade go through. Also has was really just kind of telling of that. Just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean. Fiala, of course, he's fast and has a very good shot. Wristers, mm-hmm. wrister. But, I mean, and his numbers are impressive as well. But Granny, he was a proven first or second line playmaker. One of the be- yeah. best playma- playmakers in the league, in my opinion. Uh, his stats were low just because our team wasn't good at all. Yeah, and he I mean, played no one with such up. bad players. Like, I yeah. mean, he was playing with Koivu and got 67 right. points in a season. Yeah. And that just shows how good he was and how good he was for us. And he was mm-hmm. clearly like a all-star for us. He was mm-hmm. our best player. And Fenton just gave him away for nothing, basically. And uh, Yeah. I... Yeah, about... Still about Fiala, so he had seven points in 19 games with us after the trade this season. And Granny had five points in 16 games. But 
that's just because he gets his line mates are just shocking. Yeah. Like they're worst. Oh yeah. They're, it was um, like Colton. they're so bad. It was yeah, like it's... Colton Sissons and Yarn Crawl. It's like ugh. Yeah, I mean how, how do you suppose I mean, how is a playmaker supposed to get points when he's playing like... with fourth line wingers? <laughs> like it, it's just yeah. insane how they treat him. And it just yeah. I think for Nashville that they have to split up their first line if they want to become they, a good team. Yeah. You're right, because they, I mean, they just pretty much just stacked their first line at the end of the year in the playoffs there, and it's like, well, that's fine, but you really leaves you with very little depth in terms of scoring. I mean, which is obviously a, and obviously the power play was horrible, so that was another reason they um uh, traded for Granlund there at the trade deadline. But I mean, I agree with you there, and I don't know. It's just I was kind of bombed when he was traded too. I mean, I remember after they drafted him about eight, nine years ago. I mean, this guy, he was probably, I mean, besides Marion Gabrick, but that was before the internet, all, internet and all this thing. Granny was probably the most hyped prospect I can ever remember um, to come here and play here. And uh, it was a first, the first few years were not up to there, but I mean, these last two years there when he had basically 70 points was finally the player you expected. And he was a playmaker and I just, that's that's another concern I have for this year is yeah well if we do get some guys who can score who's who's gonna be the playmaker who's gonna get them the puck like yeah I, I was so waiting to see Granny and Kirill Kaprizov play together but oh, yeah. I, I guess that's not gonna happen now or no I mean it might even happen because apparently Granny's wife liked it a lot in Minnesota has a, a lot of friends here. Mm-hmm. And I would think that Granny isn't too happy in Nashville right now, just because of the line mates and everything. Yeah. And although he yeah. he's a UFA in a year, so I don't know. I we just mo- we I, might sign him. I'm, I'm not saying know, I just, it. Yeah, it's it's not likely, but we might sign him. Yeah, that's always a, definitely a possibility, depending on the situation. But for me, I just I don't know how there's really any much chance because I mean Kenton obviously he he wanted to leave a mark and make it his team and I just don't see why he would have interest in bringing one of Fletcher's guys back even though I would not necessarily be against that but I mean I guess that I, I don't know that's just that that trade obviously you know we had said enough about that but the, the other trade I mean the, the coil for Donato and the fourth round pick trade wasn't terrible. I mean, at the first like 15 games or so that Donato played for the Wild, he was really good. And then I think, although this was part and due to the rest of the team too, at the end of the year, he kind of didn't do anything. And even in the AHL and the playoffs this year, he didn't seem very engaged really at all or in putting in 100% effort. But I mean, that trade wasn't wasn't horrible. I mean, Coyle is who he is at this point. He's a good third line center. He fits really well in his role in Boston. So, I mean, I'm ha- happy for him. He, he's never a bad player here, but uh, the, my gripe with that trade is that it was a conditional fifth that if Boston got past the first round, it was a fourth. I don't understand why that, why I'm a Fenton didn't try to make that. So every round they won, it escalated like to, up to maybe at most like a second round pick. I, I don't know why you couldn't have negotiated that. Yeah. There. Uh, like, I think you could have got at least a third rounder. Mm-hmm. Like, from the beginning, not a conditional, but like a straight off third rounder. Because yeah. Charlie Coyle was already a proven player. 
than I mm-hmm. was in at all. No, although no, no. although I I like him a lot. He yeah. was so good for us after he got traded, and I just like that he shoots, he scores. Although his stats mm-hmm. don't show it, but he he's a he's a scoring winger, and uh, same goes in Iowa this year. He had seven points in the playoffs. I mean, that's okay in my opinion. We we don't have the greatest team down there, so I can't really blame him. And his motivation has to be quite low. I think that he had just played 22 games in the NHL. Then he has to yeah. go to the AHL and play. I mean, you can guess, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that trade was the best one of the year, in my opinion. The worst Which one is... was clearly the Nino trade. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that the granny and the Nino trade were both a tie because both were so incredibly stupid that I really, I really don't have words to sum them up. It's just he rushes the trades when he wants something. He's mm-hmm. too desperate to get it. Get it. He's like a kid, to be honest, and that. Uh, I have to say that I'm afraid that his son is going to be like him and his son are going to run our draft table this oh, year. Yeah. I mean, I forgot about that. I'm so afraid. Like, like, yeah. It's, it's just, why would you, why? Like, is it like bring your son to work there? Or was it, or what's the case <laughs> here? Like, and same goes with, I, I just, same goes for Pontus. Mm-hmm. Aberg, like he was so bad for us this year. In my, yeah, in my he, opinion, he even, like one of the worst players. He didn't even see. He, talk about effort. He didn't seem like he really all that cared. And then all of a sudden, once he was after a little while, you understood why the the coaches in Anaheim wanted to get rid of him and scratch him so bad. Is just the, the guy doesn't seem to have much of a work ethic. Even if at some point there was some skill there, he just doesn't have the attitude enough to put that to work. And I guess if we, when you're talking about Paul Fenton's son being running the draft scouting, amateur scouting, I like said, that doesn't make any sense because the guy is played is, has had two years of scouting experience, I believe with Edmonton. And before that he was a player, he was a fringe AHL player, but played a lot in the ECHL. And it's like, what has he gained in two years that would make him fit for that large of a role already? I know you like to have people around you that would agree with you and have your same ideals, but but your son, who's had two years of experience, and like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy in my opinion. And and, and I another thing about that with him and having people around that him that agree with him, there was another. They had him a, after the season to come up about a month ago or so. They am a hired a couple other guys that were long-term there with Fletcher them uh, that were kind of the experts on the CBA and the cap and another like kind of like assistant advisor and then some of their analytics people too which I like I said I don't none of that really makes sense to me I, I read anything to do with numbers or math and my mind kind of goes what but I mean the the another report about that was that all three of those people were in a centers of the Victor Ask trade and even the the Grandland for Fiala trade, which again also concerns me a little bit that anybody who disagrees with you, you're just gonna fire them, get rid of them, because I, I think that you need a, you want 
uh, diverse group of people around you that have different knowledge and different opinions that can help you make informed decisions so you can do your due diligence to make sure you make the best decision possible for the team because it's just like and then to get even to another thing similar to that is that Russo was talking about again in some of his podcasts like in the last month or so that Fenton he's he's an old school guy he doesn't seem to like the media all that much and he doesn't like to give out very much so apparently he is there was a couple times that he was concerned with where leaks were getting to these reporters and the media from and so apparently he went and actually fired a couple people who he thought leaks were coming from and turns out they weren't coming from and it's like I just I don't know I, I that just there's those two things that I mentioned that seems like those are issues that are really not all that important and that he should be focusing on this offseason and now because they're very important for the team and for his job even because that was another thing that Bruce said recently that somebody asked him do you think Fenton would rather them lose out and just give the younger guys a chance well he said no because he thinks that if the wild just tank next year and are terrible and are like bottom five he thinks that his job, he could very well be on the hot seat after next year if things just fall apart. Yeah, I mean, the guy's just trying to save himself at this point, in my opinion. Another trade I want to talk mm-hmm. about is the trade that nearly went through. It was Jason Zucker to Calgary for Michael Froelich. And I I think it was, it was a second... Yeah. Conditional first, maybe I don't know. It was a second or a conditional I was, first. I, I don't, I don't know for sure if it was a second. They didn't sort this, but I believe it was a conditional second. Yeah, I mean, the guy just had pro league. He's already old. He's thirty-one years of age. Yeah, and uh, he's, he, of course, he had thirty-four points in sixty-five games. But still, though, Which, why would you yeah. trade for a thirty-one-year-old guy? When we're clearly trying to get younger here, and for Suka, and especially who's our speediest guy, and in, although he was inconsistent, he scores. Yeah, I mean he's very inconsistent at least this season. But he, I, mm. I promise you that if he same, same goes for Granny actually, he do, he doesn't really try to like shot them around the league. He doesn't have the players on his trade block. He just like makes the trades, finds a team and presents the player and makes the trade. He doesn't ask around the the other teams if they want to trade for him. He just chooses one team and goes with that. He doesn't even wait for other mm-hmm. options. Like it's just idiotic in my opinion. Like we could have gotten so much more on Granlin and we have to if we want to trade Sucre, we have to get much, much more than yeah. Michael from League and a second for him. Oh. I mean, a first rounder yeah. is a must for Sucre. Mm-hmm. The guy's a 55 point guy. I mean, if that's yeah. not worth the first rounder, I don't know what is. Like, he's clearly yeah. worth it. Because, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the year before that, before he got his new contract, he had 33 goals, 64 points. And it just doesn't also make sense that you would. You would sign him to a five-year extension and then want to trade him the next year, like because I mean, also like you said about him not really putting guys in the trade block. That was the the report that um, Granny was not really on the trade block to any other team. Uh, Fenton just wanted Fiala so badly that that was the player he needed to use. But Zucker, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I very much expect that he'll be traded because, I mean, he was obviously very close. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it because this he has two things the team needs, which is speed and scoring, like you said. And although he had a down year after his first contract, I, I think the, he could he's going to be at least a 25-goal scorer next year. He could get in the 30s too. But also, like you said, I mean, the he's already used his screw-ups now. So, I mean, if he, if he screws up on a couple more trades or even just one more, he's going to be really setting the team back, like at least two or three more years you know, than necessary because there's just that they only have a couple of trading assets left. Yeah, I mean, like, in my opinion, he has already set us back a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many picks we could have got and just didn't get. And, uh, I mean, the guy's just desperate to keep his job at this point, I think. And if trading Sucre or Spurgeon, oh. and I, I'm, I'm one thing I'm not like really sure about is how is Craig Leopold allowing this? Like, shouldn't he have something to say about that? He clearly loves the team and sees that those trades were really bad. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. shook that he hasn't said anything about it or even like given Fenton any warnings. <laughs> he just seems like he's all with it. And I just yeah the the the, the twenty eighteen draft it was horrible as well. Oh. I mean we oh, wasted yeah. another first rounder there. The mistake started already in his first draft. And mm-hmm. of course some people are saying that Flair run the draft table that year, which, but I'm I'm not bad. I'm not really sure about that. Was it though? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would think that if you wanna, if you're the new appointed GM, you would like wanna start right away. So I, I'm I'm and, not buying that. Yeah, and I mean, it just doesn't make sense because if he was in Nashville as the assistant GM the whole year, mm-hmm. wouldn't he have scouted or known a lot about a lot of these? players before I mean you know yeah it just I mean it's spent on anything's possible (laughs) if if he was the one running the really like running the draft table last year I'm like I'm so afraid for his upcoming draft yeah that we just decide to pick some random defender at 12 like because he's smart yeah smart can move the puck. Oh, like great. Oh, so we, great. We have that. Yeah, I mean, and then again, the, the players that we got in the trades, we didn't necessarily need any one of them. Mm-hmm. Like Donato, yes, he was a good one. But then we traded for another lefty in Rask, another lefty in Fiala. Like, we clearly need righties now. Yeah, I mean, I think our only righty forward at this moment is JT Brown, and yeah, oh. and Cunning, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's two righties. Like, it's it's just mad. Why would he trade for them? But well, I want to run a section of this podcast. It's called "If I Were the GM of the Minnesota Wild, What Would I Do?" And I'm gonna let you. Go first, Zeke. Okay, well, okay, well, just before we start, uh, there's about 
five minutes left in the recording time. So in a, I guess in a couple minutes here, I'm going to stop it and we'll just start a new one so that we can do it. But I guess to start, first of all, when I know there's been rumors about Jared Spurgeon and that he's available in trades that teams are interested. I, I don't know. I, I would not trade him. I would try to get him re-signed. Now, I guess the only issue would that be is if, if the contract that he wants is like too long or too much money, then yes, I would maybe look at trading him. But with obviously, like we've talked about with Penton's recent history of trades, I don't know that he'd be able to get good value, enough value for Spurgeon, who, I mean, out of all these guys is probably our most valuable asset. I mean, he's almost 30 years old. He's aged fine, but he is, even though he's not huge, he is very good. I mean, there's he's like one of the only players on the team that you never really say he had a bad night there just there might be some times you go okay he wasn't fantastic in this game but there's I don't really ever remember like having a game where he was awful and I don't know I just think I would get him signed up for I don't know I don't know if I'd go eight or seven years I'd say let's give him sign him resign five or six seasons and I imagine he's getting paid like 5.2 million right now I'd imagine he'd be at least 6.5 million maybe into the sevens, but I would, even though that's a bit of getting a lot of money, I would give him, if that's what he wanted, $7 million for six years over that contract. And then I guess for any other trades, I mean, I don't know. If they're expecting at all to be competitive next year, I think they do need to make some trades. But then again, I don't know. I guess Zucker, I, I guess I would trade him because, like you said, the team does not have a lot of right shots. And Zucker's a left shot. And I feel like if you could kind of, kind of like the coil for Donald trade, get like a, a right shot center or winger in exchange for Zucker, who is younger, not necessarily great yet, but who's like 21, 22 years old, that I'm a, that is close to being in the NHL or already in the NHL. I would do that. So, like I said, similar to a Donato. And then obviously for the draft, I would, in the first round and the first couple of picks, I would target high end skilled offensive players who can, create and um, uh, score goals and all that so um now i'm going to stop the recording and then i'll and then but then we'll um, uh, pick it up in just a minute while i get it set up and then i'll continue on my um, uh, talking point so sound good yeah okay Okay, so we're back for the second part and before we stop the recording i was going through what i would do if i was the so I guess just to go back through and I'm going to resummarize, I all, I said I would resign Jared Spurgeon to six years at around $7 million per year. I would also, I would trade Jason Zucker, but I would try to get him a, a younger right shot center or right w- or any kind of winger in there in exchange for him or even just draft picks. That's what I had to do. And then I also just can quickly summarize what we kind of already talked about about the draft is that I would target um, a high-end skilled uh, offensive goal scoring uh players in the draft and i guess if i'm anything else i'm gonna i would do i mean i guess there's there's plenty of potential avenues you could explore in terms of trades although although spurgeon and zucker are really they're only two really tradable assets left that you'd that you would want to trade i think there's a couple other i because i mean i've heard some reports that i'm uh that fenton that some people seem to think that he would that he's going to consider trading like a, a Jewel Erickson Eck or even a Jordan Greenway, which I don't necessarily agree with. And so therefore I don't think I would do it, but I don't know. I just think 
after those three things, I just think you have to um, uh, just, well, I guess, you know, free agents, I guess I didn't talk about that. So I don't know. Free agency to me that there's some names on intrigue me like a Matthew Shane or a Jeff Skinner, like those guys that are, that, you know, not Shane's a higher end center and Skinner obviously is a goal scorer, but I just don't know if, what this team needs right now is like guys that are 27, 28 years old that while they're good players, I just don't think they really can afford to or or even should them, uh, sign guys like that to those contracts because, one, they already have like a bunch of those, a couple of those guys on big contracts that are older and Freezy and Suter. And two, they also do not really have much room on the lineup for these guys because, I mean, you, you look down their lines, I mean, they're really, unless they make some trades, they're not going to be able to sign any real free agents that are not like depth players or minor leaguers. So, I don't know. Even if I did have the room, I don't know that I would go after any of those big names unless, unless, unless I could get like, you know, which it won't happen. Unless, but unless I could get like a, a Panarin or Duchesne, then maybe I'd consider it. But I overall just don't think signing a, another kind of getting up there in age free agent um, uh, to this team on a bigger contract. Cause I just, I think they just need to um, uh, rely on their young guys to get better and just hope that um, uh, guys like Freezy, Suter, and Stahl just don't, um, uh, don't get all too quick, you know, in terms of that. But um, uh, anything else? I guess I don't know. I guess I guess I just want to reiterate the free agents. I know there's other guys like a Brock Nelson or an Anders Lee that, or even a Joel Pavelski that they've been rumored to be interested in. But one Joel Pavelski, I, I don't really want him because he's 34 years old. You're gonna probably have to pay him six million. And again, that just goes back to what I said. They don't. They can't really afford that right now. And even a guy like a Brock Nelson or an Anders Lee, they're fine players. But they were competitive and and had a room in the lineup. I would be fine with a guy like Brock Nelson to slot in as your second line center. But again, like I said earlier, I just don't think that that's what this team needs right now. And then after that, I think you just stay pat. I mean, if you get some trade offers come in, then I would consider it. But aside from re-signing Spurgeon and trading Zucker and having a good draft i don't i think there's not much else that i would do so okay well you can go ahead. i have a lot more uh <laughs> starting with well if we we have to think that if i'm the gm right now so starting from this day firstly i would travel to the world championships just to have a chat with milstein and caprice of just to get things sorted out there, there the, mm-hmm. I sh- think that should be our number one priority. Just getting him over. Yeah, because oh, yeah. It, it's sad to say, but I think that our best player doesn't even play on our team right now. Oh yeah, if if he was here, he would. Yeah, I think I definitely agree. He'd be the most skilled forward at least on our team. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I would talk to Milstein and Caprice. So. And try to set up a meeting with the Cheska GM to try and get a arrangement on getting him here sooner, already to the next season, which I think Fenton hasn't done yet. No, I have seen no news about a meeting yet. He, yeah, he is. He did go apparently over to the World Championships, and there was an article on the Wild's website on Wild.com kind of about Kaprizov and they interviewed some of his teammates and asked him about him 
it did say on the if I can oh sorry for interrupting here, but I'm gonna pull it up. Okay, I see it right here. The title is Kaprasov remains on track to make a big impact in Minnesota, and the subtitle is Prized Russian Prospect Could Play for the Wild as soon as 2020-2021 season. So I don't know. I, I don't see how that I don't think that's gonna happen, but I definitely agree with you that he should at least try and make sure that that's not impossible. Yeah, and and just to make sure that he comes over next April. And yeah. uh, then comes the trade, and then I'm in the draft. And I would firstly, I would trade for a second first rounder. And uh, I think I would trade Sucre way to get that first one. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, for Sucre and a second next year. I think that would be fair in my opinion. And uh, it could actually go through. And once again, I would target forwards only, high skill, fast, can shoot. That would be my criteria. And uh, just with our 12th overall pick, I would go for uh, for Alex Newhook. And if we got a later one, I would probably go for for someone like Niels Hoglander or maybe even Spencer Knight. Depends really on the situation. And uh, I haven't really looked into the later prospects in the mm-hmm. first round yet because it's not likely that we're going to get a first, second first rounder this yeah. year. And uh, uh, some players I will try to trade for first one. This is one that I would 100% try to get is Nikita Gusev from Vegas. His contract is running out with Vegas this year already, so he becomes a RFA this season. And uh, he's a righty. Okay. Left winger, can play right wing as well. And he had 82 points in 62 KHL games and 19 points in 18 playoff games. And that those point numbers are just they're incredible in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. nobody has put up put up those kind of points before. I think Kovalchuk has put up close to that. Same goes for Shipashev. And yeah, I mean he's so good. He's really fast, skilled with the puck. Can he runs power plays like just the score power play this year was the best in the league, and he was a big part of that. And so, and I think that his rights, they they would be actually quite cheap because he hasn't proven anything yet in the mm-hmm. NHL. And I really don't think he wants to stay in the, in Vegas anymore because he went over there for the playoffs and didn't get a single game. So I just think that he would want to move on over to somewhere else and uh, mm-hmm. he would be a great fit for our team. I would probably give a first try to give a second rounder for him and then maybe add some other ones. And yeah, I would try to get him with picks. And maybe if we trade Sucre at the draft, I would trade our second rounder. If we get a first and a second, I would try to trade our second rounder for next year for the Gusev's rights and sign him maybe to a, like a. 3.5 million per year deal 
and uh, he would just be great for us because when we get Kirill over, we have to. Have another, he, yeah. he has to have friends, otherwise he won't stay for long. And Bosel yeah. has played with Kaprizov in the Russian national team for like two or three years already. So they're, I assume, they're right. friends. So he just and he would go great with Kirill. Kirill is a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Busev is a clear playmaker, and uh, right. I think that he would just be like a hidden, like a cheap, just a gem mm-hmm. to get, and wouldn't be t- too expensive, and we could actually afford it. And uh, another player I would look into trading for is Henrik Borström from the Florida Panthers. Uh-huh. He's twenty-one years old. He's quite big, six foot three, one hundred eighty-five pounds. Before this year in the NHL, he played for the University of Denver, had 52 points in 40 games. And uh, this year, he had 18 points in 50 games and was point per game in the NHL. And uh, I just think that he would be a great, great center option for us. And we clearly need centers. So, Yeah, I, I like him too because I, I, I remember – Watching him in the NCAA, I'm a, I'm a. There's a team here in the city called Duluth that where I have a lot of people I know from. So I'm kind of a fan of them, and they played in the national championship, I believe, two years in a row. And he was a, although I remember when he was drafted, he wasn't thought of very highly. He's a, he was a. You could just tell how good he was. He was the best player on the, both of those teams those two years, and he obviously, I mean, obviously the NHL stats first year, you know, he's not not gonna blow you out of the water, but. 18 points, 50 games is respectable and is better than a lot of the young rookies the Wilds have on their team. So, and also, I I agree with you that'd be a good fit. And I think for Florida, if you can give, maybe like I don't know, include Zucker in that trade or like a player like that, because I mean, obviously with them hiring Joel Joel Clenville and being rumored to be after some big name free agents this summer, I think, you know, they they would be could be persuaded to give up him for a more established player. Yeah, and uh, just like you said, like. His points aren't that special, so he, we can actually get him quite cheaply. Mm-hmm. His value isn't like sky high, and uh, like uh, another center, I would really target is Alex Barmeble from Tampa. He played in the AHL this year at sixty-eight points in seventy-four games, and the reason why um I would target him. Is because Tampa Tampa's center core is already so stacked. They oh, have, mm-hmm. I mean, there's Stammer and Braden Point, and then there's Cirelli, who had a great oh. year this year. So, I mean, and they won't play him on their fourth line. He's such, he's just skilled. Mm-hmm. You don't play a skilled oh, yeah. player like that on your fourth line. I mean, if I. Well, I have to guess here, but like I would think that Tampa tried to trade him away, and uh, he would just be a good, good, good fit for us. Yeah, just we need centers, and he brings the skill and speed that we desperately need. So, and he would be cheap as well. So, because Tampa wants to get rid of him, so I think those would be the three options I would look for, and. I would probably do those things if I was the GM of the Minnesota Wild. Okay, so um, let me see here. 
got anything else. Okay, so I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier, but I guess I'm gonna want to get to your opinion on some of the free agents that were out there and that have been linked to the wild. Like, just kind of get your um, uh, opinion on whether you'd be interested in these guys and their fit. And so, I guess I'm gonna start from the top. I have kind of a list of guys that would be realistic. That would the wild I've heard they might potentially go after and would realistically be signed. So this list does not include guys like Panarin or Carlson because one Panarin we know he's he's going somewhere. He's going big city. He's going probably to be honest Florida. And Carlson one he's he's gonna he's gonna be like an eleven million dollar player and he has injury issues. He's older. I don't think that would work. But I guess first guy I want to get your opinion on is um like in terms of their fit on the team and whether you go after them in free agency is Matthew Shane. Like, you know, in terms of. Hello. Okay, so uh, we're back. Um, uh, there is some difficulties with the recording, but uh, we're going to back. We're going to talk about some potential free agent, unrestricted free agent targets in July. So, I like I said, I was going to go down through the list and just kind of get your opinion on some of them and like their fit with the Wild and et cetera. So, um, the first guy is Matthew Shane, and kind of what are your thoughts about him? I mean, we need to, we need a center, and. Uh, especially like a first-line center. And mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, of course, is a very good player. And uh, But we can't really afford to pay him that much. And he's already yeah. 28 years old. I think there's much better ways to, to get a center than going for a big free agent. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's quite toxic in the locker room. And that's just something we really don't need. And yeah, especially just, with their, the, he he wouldn't sign with us anyway. So I'm especially here. with their um, uh, yeah, especially with all the young guys they're having. I, I don't know if you want necessarily a guy who maybe has a history of issues like that. Yeah, and uh, as well, like that would push Ericsson Eck or I mean Cunning down to to the fourth line. And that's just something we really don't want. No, like Ek needs the third line minutes. Mm. And if we if we wanna, if you, I think I still think he can succeed. He just needs that time, and uh, especially power play time. Like Mm -hmm. it's, uh, in my opinion, it's better to give those guys a shot than spending like a lot of money, seven million maybe, on a. Mm center who's already quite old mm, okay so i guess the next guy i'm gonna get in i want to ask you about is my jeff skinner what do you think about him skinner is someone i actually really like i mean he had a he had a great start to the year and then mm-hmm. he just vanished at the end like of the, the whole season did, yeah yeah i mean the whole team just fell apart yeah. and uh uh, kind of like us, 
to be honest. Like we were third in the whole league when Damba got injured. Mm-hmm. Then we fell down. Yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, us and Buffalo are probably the two teams that, uh, if we, if they would have looked at us, I think Buffalo was like fourth or fifth mm-hmm. when Dumbo got injured, and we were third, and we both just dropped and dropped and dropped. Like it, oh. it's crazy. <laughs> but Jeff Skinner, I mean, he can score goals, but then again, he's a left winger. He's a yeah lefty. I prefer Fiala over him mm-hmm. and I really I really don't want our left wingers like we already have Suker we have Donato we have Fiala we have Greenway I mean yeah. we, mm-hmm. we, we really don't need more again no yeah and I, I, I that's that's part of the reason too kind of like I said earlier that if, if they have if they're going to plan on signing anybody in free agency which they've kind of said they're trying they, they need to they would obviously need to make room on the left side because, I mean, a lot of these guys are left-wingers. And I also do like Jeff Skinner. He's a goal scorer. But, again, I just don't know if necessarily the time is right for another, a guy like him. Especially, I wouldn't. I don't think he's – I think he's like 26, 27. But because I think he was drafted 2010, same year as Granlin was. But I don't know. I just, he's, again, he's just another kind of example of I don't know if I want to spend the amount of money he's going to get because, I mean, he had – I wouldn't be shocked if he asked for like eight, nine million after his 40 goal year. And even it's like seven and a half million. I just, for a player, like you said already that they don't need, I don't think that'd be something I could summit. Yeah. Okay. So um, the next, like kind of, this is kind of the next tier guys that kind of drops off in terms of their skill level, but some other guys that the wild have been linked to by Russo and other guys that they might potentially go after is my, I'm going to list them first as guys like uh, Joe Pavelski, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, um, Brett Connolly, uh, Jonas Donskoy. Those are kind of like the, the four or five guys that I've heard the most out of. And, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll talk about Pavelski first. But, I mean, he, he's another good player. He, he scored 30-something goals. But, I mean, again, the, the, the concerns there are he's like 34. I mean, if you give him three years at like three or four years at like six million – I mean, he's one, he's naturally going to fall off because of age. And Emma, two, uh, that's another concern is who's going to be the playmaker there or even on the power play to give him the puck. And I mean, three, he just, he's came off a couple injuries the last, obviously in this playoffs and all that. And so, I don't know, he, he's, a, he's a good player, but I just, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of repeating the same thing, but I just don't know how good of a fit that is for them right now. Yeah, uh, my thoughts on Pavelski. He's really old. We really don't need another thirty-plus-year-old on our team. Yeah, and like I mean, the same if we sign, I just talked about we we can't really afford to sign yeah. some player, some old guy, to a six-million-dollar deal. I mean, yeah, we just can't make them, and we have already we already have Suter and Parisian. Well, so yeah, we got six more years to come. Yeah, but uh, Nelson, uh, I don't really like Nelson to be honest. Um, I like Anderson yeah. a bit, but mm-hmm. again, like I would personally not do anything in free agency this year. Maybe sign some death players, of course, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't make any big moves. 
because we just really don't need our fourth line will be Marcus Foligno, Nico Sturm, yeah. and uh, I've, I'm not sure if JT Brown still plays with us, uh, with us, but like yeah. he should mm-hmm. maybe. I think in my opinion, JT yeah. Brown was okay this season. He wasn't that yeah, bad. I, I, no, he's 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 another player that I mean you don't really notice him, and sometimes that's a lot of times that's a good thing, especially for D. But I don't know, I, he, he's not he's not like awful, but you know, there's sometimes you just watch. You're like, he just doesn't do a ton, and I mean, I guess that's fine for a fourth liner. You don't need a ton out of them but i mean the guy that they've signed an nhl contract recently who apparently could also get a shot on the fourth line next year is um, uh, is gerald mayhew who was playing for the iowa wild on a minor league contract the last two or three years and he had 27 goals for and 60 points 72 games along with nine goals and 11 points and 11 in their 11 game playoff run in the ahl i i personally would give him a shot on the fourth line because i mean one i believe he is a right shot I'll look that up here, but and I mean, obviously, the, the, the there's the scoring there. He was a pretty good college player, over point per game, like his last two or so years. So I I would, I think that's kind of what they need to do is just give some of these guys the shot, see what they have in him, because I mean, and plus it, what can it hurt? I mean, you know, he's on a seven hundred thousand dollar contract. So I, I don't know. Have you kind of like read any or seen anything of him? Uh yeah, I've actually seen. Quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I like him, but he seems to be a guy that scores goals and gets points. Yeah. And I don't know if he's like the right guy for the fourth line because the fourth line usually doesn't score. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I would, I would rather like have him take uh, Pontus Eberg's spot. But then again, that would push someone else out of the lineup. So. But maybe start with giving him a shot at mm-hmm. the fourth line instead of JT Brown and have JT Brown as a deaf player. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the guy seems like he plays hard every night. And uh, I I think he, he fully now Sturm and him, they could actually make a very good line together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that because I mean, uh, Marcus Fleno again, like point totals, he had like 19, I think. I mean, obviously, not going to put up a ton of points. He can get you that 20 around there range. And I mean, he's, he's another guy. He was kind of a, this year it seemed like he was more of a, kind of a leader on the team. And he's, an, he's just another guy, like like you said with me, you too, that they work hard. I mean, they're not going to be studs, but, you know, they, they could be useful players. And I also, I, I see the concern that you said too about with this Mayhew guy about. If he's a scorer, is he going to really work out in the fourth line? Since obviously the fourth line doesn't really score too many goals, but I don't know. I've kind of like from hearing things and like reading, like even Russo said himself, he thinks that he could get you ten to fifteen goals in the fourth line. Now that's obviously just conjecture, and you know that's that's just an opinion. But I think it would be good to just overall just give some of these guys a shot, and like you said, not not go out and sign anybody too big, except for me defense or depth forward but just get just just keep kind of keep the team except for maybe trades how it is just make get the young guys in because i mean really they say their future is this this young group of player that they have like greenway all these guys but i mean the only way they develop is if they play and so and and playing on the fourth line is not going to do that so i agree with your points there and so 
I guess next, and this is getting a little far ahead, but like, I don't know, for the next season, I just maybe it's just going to go over like kind of like expectations. Although this is, you know, this, this, this current financial season isn't done yet, obviously. But for me, even though they, they say that they, they want to be a playoff team and that they think they can, I, to be honest, just don't really see it. I mean, the, the division is going to be, I mean, although anything can happen, we don't know. But their division is going to be just going to be too good again for them. Because, I mean, obviously, St. Louis, I think that they've looked really good the last half in the playoffs. I think they'll be a really good team again. Um, you get, And then you got Winnipeg. Although Winnipeg, for some reason, this year, they, they kind of took a step back, which is surprising to me. Because last year, they seemed like they were on their way to being a, a monster in that division. But, I mean, they still got a lot of young, very good stu- super stud, superstar type players in that team. So, they, I don't expect them to fall out. And then... You also have Nashville. Nashville, again, like we talked about earlier, their depth wasn't – they didn't really have any at all. So I, I, they've also been rumored to be in on Matthew Shane pretty much. So if they signed a guy like that, I think, again, I think for sure you could not pencil them out of like the top three or even the playoffs at least. And then also you got – you have Dallas and you have Colorado. Colorado, who if they just get a little bit more depth too, they'll be a scary team with them, uh, with McKinnon, Rantanen, and then also Kale McCarr on the back end, who was a rookie from the NCAA, who was really good in the playoffs. And so, and then Dallas too. I mean, they always got the first line of Ben Sagan. And then they also have now uh, Klingberg and then Heiskanen on the, as who was a really good rookie this year for them. And then obviously Ben Bishop is really good. And then Chicago, I, I don't know. It just seems like they're going to, they're not content with them uh, being bad for a while. So again, and my, my expectations are not really high for next year. I wouldn't be shocked if they made a push for the playoffs, but in my opinion, I think they'll their most likely position for them will be last in the central at the end of the season next year. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of have to disagree with you on that one, just because we played without uh, Matt Dumba for the nearly oh yeah the whole year, mm-hmm. and when we had Dumba in the lineup, we were just rolling through everybody. And I just think he's the kind of player that makes us so much better. And I think if Dumba stays healthy, and uh, then I think we we could really have a chance at making the playoffs as a wild card. But uh, there are, in my eyes, there's no way. There's literally no way that we can get a top three finish in the division. Yeah, I mean, every team in our division except Chicago will get better mm-hmm. I mean yeah. and we just haven't improved at all to be honest no we just got an no, it, worse yeah. I think that's just like like I said this that's just kind of like for me just like kind of a, my rough thoughts because obviously draft season hasn't happened yet trades and signings and all this stuff made certain players move around so it's different and I, I agree they could Dumbo obviously is a huge part of their team I think he is also a yeah, I think he's another guy who kind of emerged. I think he's a leader. He's energetic. He, um, he obviously scores, can score a lot of goals from the blue line. And if, if you ask me, I would say when he's healthy in their lineup, I, I would say he's their most dynamic player that they have right now. And yeah, he is obviously a big loss. And even though, and another guy, I guess, Koivu, he got hurt towards ACL around February. I don't know that that was necessarily as big of a deal. And I know he has only one year left on his contract and, all signs from other places I read, and even Russo himself has said this too, that they, he would be surprised if 
Koi the Wild resign want to even resign him after this year, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're they're trying to go young, and if he's going to be 36, 37 years old, and you know he's a center, so they're going to probably want to clear room. But I think that his injury too did have an impact because he well he's never been a huge scorer, and even though even this year wasn't great, he still had 29 points in 48 games, which isn't bad. And he's obviously um, a a very good defensive uh, center forward, and he was always out there against other teams' top lines. Which I also think his injury was another was a played part in Eric Stahl's struggles this year because two years before that, uh, Koivu would up higher in the lineup and he would take beyond against the other team's best players. Whereas when he got hurt, Stahl was forced into that bigger role where he was going up against the team's best players every night and just was you know was getting checked a lot tighter and. Wasn't getting as many scoring chances, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not going to, my expectations are not going to be high. I obviously, I I hope they, they'd be a better team next year. I'd like them to make the playoffs. It's fun. It's it's exciting and all this, but I, I'm i just not going to set them too high. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs either, like you said. Well, I mean, not really. Like, because, yeah, I would, I would, to be honest, like, I would rather, rather, Miss the playoffs, then barely make the playoffs, yeah. just to get that right. better pick, like we did this year. Like, yeah, I mean, just I, I was really happy. Down. Yeah, I was really happy that we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, because I mean, like you asked, like people, people go, oh yeah, there's upsets and all this. Well, I think if you put, if if Calgary or any of those teams could have picked to play the Wild in that first round, especially with their current lineup at the end of the year, they would all done that in the. In the in a heartbeat because well it, I'll say this if, if they had made all those trades in the season and people had stayed healthy I think they, they would have been a playoff team this year and it wouldn't have been as easy an easy out but like you said this year it was I agree it was good because I mean they, they got in if they would have got in obviously they, they couldn't score I mean they wouldn't have lasted they likely would have gotten swept but yeah I think that's good that was good this year just to kind of just give them that idea that okay hey maybe we're not as close as we thought we were, and maybe we need to do certain steps to make sure we're better in the future and we're better two, three, four years from now. So I, I agree that that was uh, a good, this is good for them maybe just to give them that fresh yeah. mindset on that. Yeah, I mean, my expectations are low for next year. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't really care if we miss the playoffs. Yeah. But then the season after that, I mean, Capriso comes over. Oh, I yeah. think we have to be, we like literally have team. to be a, a playoff team then, mm-hmm. because we just can't afford to be a bad team when he comes over. What if? I mean, like, yeah. What if we have been waiting for him for like four or five years and <laughs> yeah. he just decides that no, he doesn't want to play us, <laughs> play with us anymore. He requested requested trade after two years. That would yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that would be a huge gut punch. <laughs> so uh, next season, our priority objects objectives should be that we let Eriksonak, Greenway, Fiala, Kunin, all those young guys get better, get some playing time, and just make them better players before we we get Caprizo uh, over and make our yeah. team significantly better. Like next mm-hmm. year would be a growing year, and then our real year comes the year after that year. 
Yeah, I, that's, I think that's kind of the view I've had on it for a while now. And, I mean, obviously you said, I mean, I think THL contracts, I don't know if this is every year, but this year at least they expired on April 30th. So in just under a year now, the, they, the Wild should be able to sign him to an entry-level deal. Now, I say should because there's complications with that. And with over there in Russia, there's, a, you know, I mean, I don't need, didn't mean to paint a bad picture of it, but there's, we, we don't they don't know everything that goes on over there and the pressures that Kachov has faced. But I think, like you said, they. I think the second his season ends or maybe even just a couple of days, I think they need to get on that as quick as possible. And I know there's some people who have worried about that next season, there potentially being a lockout. I just, I don't see that happening in my opinion from what I've read, but that'll be the priority for next spring is to get him signed and then to get a place for him on the team and all that. But, yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, next year is just a building year. And if you miss the playoffs, so be it. You'll, it'll just be better for you to get a higher pick then. You can get another good, potentially high-end player to add into your pool of prospects or younger guys that they have. And yeah. So, yeah. The one, the one thing about uh, Caprizov's next season in the KHL, mm-hmm. uh, I'm convinced that he will have a much worse year than his current year. Just because his coaches know that he will be leaving, and will mm-hmm. because of that give that playing time to someone else, and like they did him, like they did this year, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they they did that to him in the playoffs, and uh, same happened to, for example, uh, Yevgeny Kuznetsov. He had a much better year the year before he went to, went over to the NHL. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm pretty sure that he's he's not gonna have the same kind of year he had this year, and I think yeah. the the wild fans shouldn't be worried at all about his yeah, production th- next season. Yeah, while while I mean obviously you'd like to because I know some people blow too, and but I mean he like the last at the end of the year he was really hot scoring a bunch of goals, but I think. And people, some fans need to have that perspective too. That, I mean, even when he does come over in that year, that you shouldn't necessarily expect him to be explored right off the bat. And that people keep, keep in mind too that even if he's only like a top six guy that puts up like in the 50s points, I mean, anything above that, like a top six forward in the fifth round, is an absolute steal. And I mean, I just, in, in my opinion, I don't see any, yeah, I'd be very shocked if he came over here and struggled for more than maybe like first year but i don't know i just for like you said with the numbers people shouldn't worry about that i people will and that's just natural nature of fans but you'd obviously like him to have ideally another great year next year just to grow him and develop him but you like you said they were playing him on the fourth line this year and although it might just be more to do how he's playing right now at the world championships but he's also been either played as the 13th forward or also scratch for Team Russia there now too, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, apparently Ovechkin didn't like playing with him. I've read some yeah, reports about that. That Ovechkin mm-hmm. wanted a, another teammate on his line. And he felt bad. Mm-hmm. But Abanov would have been a better choice than Caprizo. But, but then again, that's just speculation. But Yeah, which you don't know. Yeah, yeah but like I'm just shocked that the uh, Russians decided to 
scratch him right away instead of just switching mm-hmm. up the lines a little bit. Yeah, just, there's just something is odd. I mean, you don't go, <laughs> you don't scat, uh, scratch one of your better players who won you the Olympic gold the year before yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, you just don't do it. So yeah, it, it it's definitely yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's, odd, it's odd. especially. Yeah, it's, I mean that's like that's pretty much what you can say about that because, especially, since I mean he's been he's been a top of the line KHL player for three years now since he was like a nineteen year old and it's like, it's like well, it just doesn't. I know that maybe that part of their motivation for that is they they're punishing him for maybe leaving in a year, but it just doesn't make sense that well one if he's one of your better players why not play him so that you have a better chance to win, and it's just I don't know like you said it's it's just odd considering all that he's accomplished um, at such a young age over there. And that, you know, that obviously has rarely happened there. And like, you know, just weird, like you said. Yeah. And when he decides to come over by the first season, I'm just going to expect like over 30 points from him. Nothing more than mm-hmm. that. Because yeah, like we can't expect much yeah. more. He has played in a big-sized rink, which is four, I mean, six meters wider than the NHL size rink. So, I mean, there's yeah. a huge difference. And the game is much faster mm-hmm. in the NHL, so he's going to need some time to get used to that. Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I think I've gotten pretty much over pretty much all I've kind of thought I'd talk about, but, I mean, I guess before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to go over, or um, I th- I think we've covered covered all. Okay, well, um, so that'll be it for today. Um, I'll be back next week eventually with another episode of my own. But I'm a thanks for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Talk to you later.